Well, folks, we're going to go straight to it. Metro District 5 covers north and northeast Portland. 150,000 registered voters are in the district, and it has one of the most competitive races on the ballot. You'll have to choose betwixt Chris Smith, Karen Spencer, Cameron Witten, Mary Pivato, and our next guest, Mary Nolan, former state legislator, former House Majority Leader, Mary Nolan. How are you this morning? Good morning, Jefferson. I'm doing quite well. How are you? How's your family? Family's good. I had a so my first socially distanced socialization with my dad in two months, just you know, several days ago. He lo- he's still the same human being, which I appreciate. <laughs> and I had you had said earlier a while ago that Joe was uh, really under it, and perhaps. Uh, had the virus and i hope he's doing well and yeah. i hope he recovers no all i have is gratitude i don't know if you know but also our our mutual friend ken lewis had the coronavirus and and got through it so so far in terms of what i touch every time i get every time i fret every time i get nervous i think about how grateful i am that so many of the people in our circle have been doing pretty well but let's get to the interview with you you've had a bunch of titles first class of women admitted to dartmouth you're a state legislator your house majority leader co-founder of or co-founder of oregon NARAL, pro-choice oregon you've been a bureau director an executive director a pilot and more uh, what is the piece of experience that you think is most relevant to the job you're running for getting things done taking really complex issues convening the experts knowing when I'm not an expert I think that's a pretty key element to success in any kind of human endeavor um, but certainly in one that involves uh, complex and often contentious issues like public policy and public budgeting does but what what I can do um, distinct from the other good candidates in this race is to see the big picture identify the key players um, with expertise that is sometimes technical, but it's just as important to bring into the conversation expertise about the effects of decisions, how it will lift up or hurt or um, distract or empower or whatever effect it will have, positive, negative, or otherwise bring the experts about that along with the technical experts along with the financial experts to carve out a solution that is doable timely and um, can be funded where's an example of that you think is most pressing most important there's roughly a set of smart liberals running none of them to my knowledge are going to vote against land use planning against a regional government they're not going to vote to shut down a zoo y'all are going to agree on a bunch of stuff so where is a particular example that you think the problem-solving approach you're advocating for is going to really matter? Well, I'll give you two examples, if I might. Um, one that is very relevant to exactly the kinds of work that Metro does and one that shows a broader um, ability to build and power and um, promote coalitions. On the one directly related to Metro, when I was co-chair of Ways and Means in the legislature, um, we were looking at um, projects, capital in investment projects, infrastructure, um, to prioritize for funding. Um, and TriMet was ready to build the extension of MAX out to Milwaukee. 
the orange line and the telecom crossing that uh, would be required to make that succeed. There's federal money teed up, ready to go, but both the governor and my Senate co-chair wanted other projects done instead of the max extension. And I was a rookie. I was in the, it was the first time I was in the job. I think both the governor and my Senate co-chair underestimated um, both my uh, persistence and my ability to organize uh, political support. And to make a long story short, I pulled together um, advocates for the environment, advocates for um, low and middle income uh, transit riders, uh, advocates for economic development along that line, and helped the governor and the speaker and the president of the Senate and my Senate co-chair see that this timing was really right now and that it couldn't wait another two years. All of that happened in ways that were um, focused on outcomes focused on delivering things that actually improved um, people's lives and the community's prosperity and livability. And they were done in, in a way and in a setting that didn't, um, confr- didn't demean or um, polarize the people I needed to support the outcome. That's an example of how I can take really complex, entrenched issues and find solutions in a way um, that allows everybody to move forward collectively. Um, And a similar thing more recently, when I was executive director of Planned Parenthood Advocates, um, I joined that organization during the 2015 legislative session. Um, Planned Parenthood, NARAL, and a larger group, ACLU, and a larger group of organizations was promoting um, a measure to uh, essentially put into state law and codify reproductive health services that would be available to every Oregon resident. Um, And frankly, we all failed in 2015. Our coalition had a really strong policy, good proposals, we had identified and involved um, stakeholder groups, communities affected, and we failed. Um, the bill we had promoted died in committee, and you know what that phrase means, Jefferson, since you've been there. And you and I have seen some really good bills die in committee. Um, but I didn't just say, "Okay, well, that's it. Um, we'll take our we'll, we'll take a different approach and, and not try to make this happen." I helped the coalition learn from what had gone wrong. We really spent, we spent the next year and a half talking with the people who had, the legislators who had objected to our proposal, talking to the committee chair in which the bill died, talking with the leadership of both the Senate and the House, but also animating and mobilizing Voters in the districts around the state where those key legislators represented. And we came back in the following full session, 2017, 
with a very strong uh, bill, very strong proposal, really well uh, vetted funding mechanisms for it, and the committee chair who had who had declined to even hear the bill the previous session became a chief sponsor of the bill, and legislative leadership moved it forward, empowered it. And now, as a result of that, and it, it wasn't just the work I did. That's the important thing. It was the work that members of the coalition did, Apano and the Latino Health Coalition and Western States Organization and ACLU. That resulted in the nation's most comprehensive bill to protect the rights of all residents for reproductive health. Let's look forward. And this actually also connects with a text from one of our listeners who just said, Ms. Nolan, after you win, what's the first three things you're going to do? What are examples of how you want to apply this problem-solving critique to the things going forward? Um, I am really interested in making sure that Metro gets full effective value out of the programs that it has in its portfolio. And I'm, I'm very focused on the things that voters are telling us are most important to them. And among those are um, two that are connected, very closely connected. Um, the homelessness issue, which is on the ballot, and I endorse and urge voters to vote for 26-210, which is the supportive services measure. Um, to provide funding, and more importantly, to provide coordination to help resolve and solve the homelessness crisis. Related to that is access to affordable housing, both in the rental market and in the home ownership market, and I would like to talk more about that in a little bit. Um, And then the last one is uh, helping shape whatever transportation package Metro decides to move forward on. I won't, if I win this election, um, I won't serve on the Metro Council until January. Um, But I uh, am working hard to win next, oh, this month. Uh, It's May already. Um, And if I do, um, actually whether I win or not, as a candidate or as uh, uh, a councilor-elect, I will be engaged in talk, in talking with leaders, um, both on the Metro Council, around in the counties and the cities, um, and constituent groups about how we shape the transportation package. Oregonian, the Oregonian newspaper, came out against 26210. Uh, what's your response? Is there anything to their critique that it was vague and they weren't sure where the money was going to go and maybe too much was going to go to administration? Um, I'm not too worried about uh, too much money going to administration. I think that that is crystal clear in the measure, and uh, Metro has an effective independently elected auditor who will make sure that's the case. Um, I think the Oregonian actually raised some legitimate concerns that I share about the measure, Um, and that is that the measure itself doesn't specify what will be different if voters approve these funds and the counties deploy them 
to resolve homelessness. The measure doesn't say, for example, that there are now approximately five to 7,000, well, these numbers are before the COVID-19 crisis, but before the COVID-19 crisis, there were approximately five to 7,000 people who slept outdoors in the metropolitan region every night. Um, over the course of a year, those five to 7,000 people are not always the same five to 7,000 people, but that is the best count that um, the counties in Metro have accomplished. And they do it in a pretty uh, rigorous way. So I think that number is has legitimacy. So we have that many people living outside now. The measure doesn't say, here are the specific steps that Multnomah County will take, that Clackamas County will take, that Washington County will take to, re to reduce that number to 4,000, for example, within the first year, year or two years, and to 2,000 within three years, and, and down to zero because that's ultimately what the measure aims to. It's to solve the homelessness crisis. So, and the Oregonian critiqued that vagueness. Um, I want to come to Metro Council and bring together in a collaborative way a consensus around what those outcomes will be. This measure is addressing a real crisis. I believe there's a crisis. I think voters believe there's a crisis. If there's a crisis, we need immediate response and we need immediate change to the way we've been doing things which hasn't resulted in the outcomes we want. That's the kind of both budget analysis that I can do but also program analysis that I can do. Jefferson, I'm not running for Metro Council to be the Homeless Services Director. I'm running to help the, council, the Metro Council and the County Commissions frame the questions so that the professionals and the people who are actually delivering the services are aiming at the right target. You once said, I remember, you once analogized the state legislature to the board of directors for the state. I've always thought that was an interesting analogy. Do you see the role of the Metro Council as a board of directors for the metro regional government, or do you see it somewhat differently? I do see it as uh, the board of directors, and let's make sure people understand what I mean by the board of directors. Um, the Metro Council is essentially a legislative body. Under American uh, political systems, legislative bodies set the policies, enact the laws, essentially, and they set the budget. They appropriate funds to achieve the outcomes that the, that, that the policies direct. Um, and other forms of government, you know, other branches of government, the executive implements those policies using those appropriated funds. And then judicial, which really doesn't apply to Metro, adjudicates whether um, the implementation has been appropriate or the the laws have been consistent with the Constitution. But I absolutely see the Metro Council as a board of directors. A board of directors um, sets the tone for the organization, sets the objective. 
and prioritizes where where the resources, financial as well as personnel, are deployed to achieve those goals. Now, with in Metro's case, um, some of those uh, decisions have some constraints on them already. Um, funds raised for the affordable housing bond measure that voters approved back in 2018, for example, obviously have to be spent on making more affordable housing available. You can't spend that on, um, for example, keeping open the Oregon Convention Center during COVID-19. So we have to um, abide by the constraints that the voters have given us both in the charter of the Metro Council and in particular bond measures that are approved. But I served on a couple of boards. Um, I serve currently, I've served on lots of boards. I currently serve on a nonprofit board of directors, uh, Teatro Milagro, uh, which is uh, a nationally recognized Latino theater and culture organization uh, right here in Portland, Oregon. Um, but I also serve on a business board of directors. Um, I was elected by the co-op members of the United Community Credit Union to serve on that board of directors. Um, and so I have direct experience in what it takes um, to set the parameters, to set the objectives, to, to essentially set the dream that an organization is trying to accomplish. Um, and I absolutely want to approach my role as a Metro Counselor from that perspective. Um, you set the goals, you provide the funds, uh, and you authorize uh, and, and assist in hiring the experts and talented staff to deliver. During the City Club debate on Friday, you said that Metro needed to be more assertive in the way it engages in process that you mentioned not duplicating efforts, started talking about coordinating homelessness services through the lens of thinking about the Metro Council's board of directors as distinct from staff. What is your vision for Metro being more assertive? And if that is too general, if that is, applies to too many sins, maybe apply it to transportation. Well, I think let's do apply it to transportation. I don't know that I would describe uh, it as too many sins. Um, but Metro is having some growing pains uh, as it takes on additional responsibilities that the community, the region as a whole, uh, through its elected leaders have asked Metro to accomplish. Um, but I, I think Metro has an obligation to be more than just a piggy bank for the region. Um, I think it's reasonable that with green spaces and habitat preservation, for example, that we provide funds to meet those goals regionally because it is a regional airshed, it is a regional watershed, and it is, is much less efficient to do that piecemeal. Similarly, I think um, with the affordable housing bond measure that voters have approved, um, very few people looking for housing um, stop at an arbitrary line drawn on a map uh, a couple of hundred years, a year, 150 years ago, um, when they decide where they're going to rent an apartment or buy a home. And so it makes sense 
um, both from a market point of view and also from an efficiency of collecting revenue, that Metro would do that. But when Metro, here's, here's what I meant, Jefferson, about being more assertive. Metro is the face to the voters for those services. The voters are responding to a request from Metro to fund green spaces and habitat, affordable housing, perhaps if the Metro Council goes forward with a transportation package to fund those services as well. So Metro has to say to the voters, here is the current situation. So many people sleeping on the street. Um, in the case of transportation, so many billion tons of greenhouse gases being burped into our airshed every year. Um, and here are the solutions to that problem or the uh, responses to take advantage of an opportunity. It can be either side of that coin. And here's how you will know, voters, that we've put the money you we've asked you to entrust to us, and if you do, here's how you'll know whether we've been effective in doing it. Metro doesn't follow through on making sure that they themselves know what those outcomes are, let alone that the voters know. Um, for example, um, Metro prioritized um, five years ago, in 2015, established a climate uh, sustainability policy to reduce greenhouse gases. And yet, so far, in the package that is moving slowly along around transportation improvement by Metro's technical staff's analysis that package essentially does nothing zero to reduce greenhouse gases and other air pollution caused by transportation I'd like Metro the council and the staff to be really more assertive about following through on the, on, the, on the vision that it has adopted. And that applies to greenhouse gases. It applies to affordability of transportation for uh, low-income minimum wage workers. Um, it, it applies to the equity of the social as well as environmental impact of transportation and, uh, improvements uh, around different historic neighborhoods, Albina and the I-5 uh, corridor come to mind, <coughs> but also along 122nd Avenue <coughs> in East Portland. Um, and I will pose questions early in the process because once decisions are, re you know, once you, if you've been silent for 15 months and then start raising hell about something it is unlikely you will be successful in changing the trajectory of those decisions you have to be tuned in from the very beginning um, and know what question you're answering before you proceed with developing a plan how does that apply therefore to expansion of I-5 to 
the you know blank number of billion dollar project to uh, replace and build a new uh, mega highway over the Columbia River to the expenditure, the prioritization of highway expansion, highway building over other transportation priorities? Oh, really good question, Jefferson. And I, I don't know that we can parse out every single one of those. Um, but we have historically among the transportation services, and that includes Metro's own transportation planning group. It includes ODOT, it includes City of Portland, Bureau of Transportation. Um, it, it, it includes kind of the American uh, mindset about transportation, which is about lay out more con concrete so we can drive fast to wherever we're going. Oregon has made some steps to changing that. We haven't been as consistent as we'd like to be because, you know, there's there's a give and take, there's a, a push and pull, um, not just around our community, but each individual um, has to wrestle with those decisions on their own. Um, but we, Oregon laid out opportunities to talk about and plan for not just let's build concrete out to the edge of the city and when we fill that space up we'll push the edge of the city further out into that wonderful farmland um, or those beautiful forests. <clears throat> we said and mostly followed but there are been plenty of bumps along that path. Um, we've said we want to coordinate where we have housing, convenient to where we have jobs and, and recreational and leisure activities, convenient to where we have schools. Um, and Metro has not always been as uh, deliberate about how it connects its own transportation planning with really thoughtful community planning, neighborhood planning, walkable neighborhoods. Um, uh, I'm sitting here looking out over much of the district that I aim to represent, and it is a carpet of beautiful greenery. Um, and we need to be really more deliberate about that in every aspect of the decisions that we're making. When you ran against Amanda Fritz for city council, there were some, I think, that saw you as sort of the establishment pick to unseat a progressive mag maverick. Was that an unfair critique or an apt compliment? <laughs> um, uh, you know, it's an, uh, I... I, I don't consider myself establishment. I have gone up against the establishment uh, within my own caucus, uh, within the progressive community. Um, in many instances that are well documented in, uh, the, in the public press, um, I, I want to join the Metro Council, though, to be relevant. 
I want to join the Metro Council so that the 150,000, actually it's 150,000 registered voters you mentioned in your introduction here, a quarter million people live in District 5 in each of the Metro districts, and I want to make sure that their concerns, their needs, their um, dreams, their opportunities are well represented and have effect in the outcome of what Metro does. Um, I will push back on what I consider to be ill-advised or silly or um, short-sighted proposals or plans. I want to do it. I offer to the voters an opportunity to have that strong, those strong progressive values that environmental stewardship, that equity lens, that um, climate sensitivity, but have it in a way very similar to what I described early on in our conversation so that we actually get results. I'm not at all satisfied to just howl at the moon. I want to change the results that happen at Metro and at the partners that Metro funds. Um, and I, that's what I'm trying to do here. That's what I've done for my entire public career. Um, in many ways, it's what I did when I owned a, a private business that was designing breakthrough technology for aviation cockpits. Um, it's who I am. Uh, it's what I present to the voters. Uh, I see bold opportunities, and I piece together the nitty-gritty work that it takes to achieve a majority vote at the Metro Council, at the legislature, in whatever decision-making body there is, um, and, and then to make sure that once we've made the right decision, once we've made a good collective decision, um, which often is not you know, exactly what I would have had because it's about how communities do this together. <clears throat> I'm, I'm really effective. I want to jump in. I want to jump in with this question because we're about to be out of time. If, if I were to look at your, I have looked at your resume. I knew it before I looked at it. You've been the Ways and Means co-chair, meaning you are one of the most important voices in an <laughs> enormous budget. You have uh, led two nonprofits that are linchpins, the progressive advocacy community, and founded one of them. Uh, you run a business. You have uh, served as the majority leader of the Oregon legislature, and you're running for and you're running against a, a group of very talented folks. Do you ever, though, look at them, look at any of them, and maybe you know one or two in particular, and say, "Hey, wait a minute! You haven't accomplished nearly as much as I have. What are you doing on the same stage as me?" Do you ever have that reaction? I don't have that reaction. Good, uh, because people, you know, people have a right. Voters have uh, an opportunity to see uh, an array of perspective. Representative counselor is really a representative of 250,000 people. But I think it's a really good question, Jefferson, that you have now posed to them. <laughs> I was hoping you would say, yes, they don't deserve to be in the same gym. They don't deserve to play. To and then maybe I'd take the devil's advocate. I'd take another position. Where, uh, where can people find out more, Mary Nolan? Uh, 
Mary, at the, our website is nolan4metro.com. All letters, N-O-L-A-N-F-O-R-M-E-T-R-O.com. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks for all your service. Good conversation, Jefferson. Thanks. Appreciate it.